Hello, I'm Stephen, this is Mick, and today we're going to be talking about the topic of rebooting society. Before we begin, we just want to say that this is only a discussion, there are no right or wrong answers, these are just our thoughts and opinions which can and will change, neither of us are experts on anything, we are just two dudes talking. So, like I said, today's topic is rebooting society, and that's a very general and a broad topic, so we just want to start by laying, okay, what's the scene, what happened how did we get to where we are and where are we going from here? So Mick, uh, we kind of discussed this a second ago. Do you want to give us a brief overview of where are we starting from with uh, rebooting society? All right, so we're going to take a bit of a very a fictitious approach, but uh, there might be some, some elements that could actually occur. Uh, we're not burning down the planet today. We're not sending off any volcanoes. Uh, we're simply just wiping data from every piece of hardware, computer, um, tablet device in the world. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's through a, 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 a solar flare, or maybe that's through something else. But um, what that means is everything around us, all the factories, all the equipment, uh, the people of the planet should stay as one. But we just lose, we lost all our information. Um, so particularly with the financial uh, assets of you know different businesses and companies and people and all the rest, it has been sort of zeroed out, I guess. Um, so that then sets the scene as how do we rebuild society knowing that uh, everyone's value has just kind of been wiped. Um, we're sort of starting off on maybe a bit of an equal slate, I guess. Um, maybe there's some hoodlums in, in some four-wheel drives going out there and trashing banks and getting money. But I think if we just start that, uh, yeah, everyone's information had been lost digitally. Um, that's, a, that's where we will start as a reset, I guess. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great place to start from. It's it's a place you don't really see explored too much as well. Usually something really calamitous happens that, you know, destroys the, either the environment or takes out a whole bunch of people. So it's it's kind of interesting to start with. Okay, everyone's still here. It's the, pretty much the exact same world. It's just that all the information, all the data and that is gone. Or, well, I say all, but I actually want to get into a little bit. Okay, is there anything we actually want to keep in this uh, fictitious um, scenario? But first off, let's talk uh, scope. So how widespread is this? Is it just it happened to a suburb? Did it happen to a city, state, country, or are we covering the entire world? Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Mick? Um, I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, I probably I did start by saying the world, but maybe maybe we constrain it to Australia. Maybe uh, let's we're both Australian. Although this might, uh, other people might see this from other countries. Maybe we just start with Australia in order to confine ourselves to to an area we know, I guess. But um, I would say that even if we applied in that context today, that probably a lot of it could translate if, if it was the whole world or if it was a smaller area as well. So um, I guess it's just setting context and scene for the viewers. I think so. And if we do a good enough job, if we keep it general and scalable, then it is something that we could expand to the world. That's the thing. Anytime you design something or you build something, you usually don't build it to scale to begin with. You build a model or a smaller version of it and then you expand it to the world. So yeah, I like that starting in Australia because it's a big enough um, size or scope that we can uh, get into some more difficult, more complex things, but it's not so big that it's uncontrollable. Yeah, so I think yeah that's true. Good starting point. Okay, I want to talk a bit about what do we... Do if anything, do we carry over from our previous society? For example, 
we currently have a whole bunch of laws, maybe called constitutions, declarations, that kind of stuff. Is there any of that kind of stuff that you want to maintain and carry over? It's a good question. I think, uh, I mean, it's up to us if we want to explicitly state them, but I think, you know, the the general laws of, you know, murder and, and uh, assault and, and theft, I guess, would probably remain fairly consistent. Um, so I'd say that in order for us to sort of not waste time and, and discussing things that are already in place that, that generally work, I think just having those um, high legal principles are probably what we what we do want to keep maybe um i don't know if we want to quickly list them or not but yeah they're, they're, they're the three that i can think of that abuse you know well murder is abuse i guess um, murder you know abuse and, and theft and things like that yeah i think we'll get into it in a minute what we're trying to achieve and i think that'll cover off some of those things from my perspective and when i was thinking about it I was thinking more, do we take it one for one? Okay, this is going to exist in our new society, these these laws or this declaration or whatever it is. And I was thinking it's probably better to look at it as a ref- point of reference, but not necessarily keep it as is. And then, yeah, if we use it as a reference, we can use that to build up a new set that we would consider like updated maybe. Yep. Okay. Good. How about... Okay, we said so we've got all the uh, buildings and stuff still in place. Any services that uh, are they all up for uh, <laughs> tearing down or are there any services that we're saying now oh, they're beyond uh, beyond reproach? Like they're already there and we're not going to do anything with them? Um, I think we can rediscover them. I mean, obviously, the, the, the way in which we set the scene up is that the facilities are still there. So like, you know, your water, your um, electricity... Um, obviously the electricity has been impacted in, in this scenario to wipe the data or whatever, but we still want to maintain that there's a network there and there's the facilities there to, to run those services given the need. And um, I think maybe as we go through, we can highlight those basic human services that we think that uh, need to be shared amongst all in order for us to sort of try and get to that equal opportunity situation. So maybe maybe we can... A bit like those laws, maybe we can uh, bring in some of those basic services as we as we talk through. Um, but but we bring them in in the context that the facilities and the and the um, infrastructures still existing. Uh, so you know we it could be started up again without too much too much difficulty. Yeah. So just to make sure that we're kind of on the same page, the utilities are still there, but we have to kind of figure out okay how we're actually going to run and maintain them. Yeah, and which ones we consider as useful. Like, so some of those utilities might be privatized now. Um, do we keep that concept? Yep. All right, sounds good. Well, I think that's a good uh, setting of the scene, setting of the stage. Let's move on to then what are we trying to accomplish in creating this new society? So I want to bring up, I think I got this from a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in it, I think it was this book, he talks about, he visited various uh, hotels and the same hotel chain he went to in multiple different places. But he noticed that there was one in particular where it was run a lot better than the, the other ones and the staff was friendlier, the service was better, all that stuff. And he explored, okay, why is this? And he realized it was because all the staff had been 
consulted informing the mission statement of the hotel. So they all felt like they had a buy-in. So what I'm saying is to start thinking about which way we want to go and what we want to get out of our society, maybe we should have everyone contributes to, okay, what is our goal as a society? So everyone's kind of got skin in the game. Everyone's put their thoughts out and everyone is involved. And so, yeah, that's the first thing I want to start with is what is our mission statement for creating a new society? It's a, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I think what we want to do is we want to achieve as best we can Everyone, everyone's uh, as high as we can everyone's quality of life <clears throat> so you know what is quality of life I guess it's it's uh, border around the feeling of being content about um, uh, where you are and and uh, comfortable enough that you're not uh, sitting in fearful anxious situations that's where we we're trying to achieve some harmony I guess Um. So how would you put that in a mission statement? I'm I'm not sure. Have Have you got some ideas about a, a mission statement? It's it's quite hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Take a second, think about it. I know you're going pretty yeah. much off the cuff, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, what I was looking at is very similar as well, but it's more um, I don't know, abstract or ethereal, and that is just the idea that let's try and get the majority, hopefully all of the people, being fully realised, and that is achieving their full potential, whatever that may be as, as a human being, which is kind of kind of what you're saying this is like the quality of life's there, but I'm like, let's take it to a next step and get everyone doing the best of their ability, whatever that means. Yeah, I think being, yeah, each individual, as many individuals as possible to be fully realized. I think that fully realized is actually a good way to describe it because yes, you want each individual to, uh, to get to their best self. Um, that's that's our goal, isn't it? That's what a harmonious society would probably look like. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. Because every if everyone feels that they're fulfilling uh, where they think they can be, uh, then they're 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 not going to be in a negative. Less likely to be in a negative state. Yeah. So, mm. if everyone's doing what they want to do and feeling fulfilled, well, that's. I mean, it's a very abstract idea but that's kind of like what we're getting at in life as it is currently it's just that a lot of people maybe don't realize that that's what they're going for or they think that they'll find that going in the direction that is being scripted by other people or the direction that they're being pushed in and so i think if we can start off with okay that's where we're trying to reach then we've got a better chance of most people actually getting there and to continue off of that so that's obviously a very abstract idea what do you think are some, let's call them maybe basic human rights that we're going to say, okay, everyone is afforded this, everyone in our society is afforded this. Do you have any ideas about what um, we could use for that? Yeah, I think the four probably things that I can think of that really each individual should have some access to is shelter, food, health and education. I think they're the four really guiding prints uh, they're, they're the four sort of key areas that i think each individual needs access to um and as soon as you remove one of them you impact their ability to uh get the best version of themselves yeah i think that's good i mean 
I don't know if we'll get to it, but in my notes and when thinking about this, I was planning on structuring it going based off of like a, have you heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? I think you've told me once, but you, yeah, you probably I think need I to told refresh you me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a framework that you can look at. It's psychologically based of how you get from whatever base human to fully realized human. And pretty much what you said is like the bottom first tier, what you need to cover, which is food, shelter, safety, that kind of stuff, taking care of your physical needs. So yeah, I think if you use them as the basis of, okay, this is what everyone's guaranteed. Anything on top of that is up to the individual. I think that's a fair way to uh, approach this problem. Yeah, yeah. I would say that too. And we've got enough resource there to, uh, and if we put our focus on that, we can distribute and uh, no one's, more than likely, no one's going to go without um, if structured correctly, yeah. Yeah. The next, I've got a question now, which I can't remember exactly where my mind was at when I wrote it, but I know that there was something in there that I wanted to get at and, and see what your opinion was on it even. So I'm going to phrase it in this way. When we think about artificial intelligence and robotics nowadays, we worry that we'll ask a machine to do something that we're like, okay, that is going to be good. It's going to benefit society, but it might do it in a way that's actually more harmful than we expect. So for example, I don't know. I don't know what's a good one, like remove pain from, from human beings, right? And to do that, they just kill every human being because then there's no more pain from the human beings. <laughs> in a similar but not as extreme vein, are there any things that are off limits that we're going to say, okay, we cannot change this at all or we cannot even approach or think about doing things in this way? Otherwise, we've already compromised ourselves or we just don't want to build a society with uh, those things there in place. For example, like, I don't know, say the death penalty. We want to just say, okay, we're not killing anyone. We're going to find another way to do things. Is there anything that's off limits that you can think of? Uh, yeah, I think death penalty should... Yeah, I don't think a death penalty is a, a really good idea. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we could probably carry that one through. Um, it's a really good question. I can't pinpoint it, but there's something there in our current financial system and its ability to acquire uh, capital, which is kind of abstract. I don't know how to isolate that away, but I think that's something we need to remove. This concept that um, there is capital in your life, like there is future wealth um, and that you can stockpile and, and, and hold that wealth for future situations mm -hmm. um i don't know how to actually create a boundary there because you don't want to also have the ability that you can't have some food for a week ahead kind of thing as well but um i think this notion that uh yeah if, if capital growth this continual growth is something we need to remove our actually maybe that's what it is it's this concept of continual growth in our social structure we need to understand that and it goes back almost to the mission statement is that, no, it's not a continual growth. There is no such thing as continual growth. There's a stable system. What we should be looking for is a system that is, is as most stable as it could be, not a system that continually grows. This is really interesting because I was listening to a podcast yesterday where they were talking a bit about, uh, from a biological perspective, what humans crave. And growth is one of the things that we crave. Now, 
yeah, like you said, we're currently our entire society, like <laughs> globally, is built on, or not globally, but amongst object. No, what's the word I'm looking for? You know how you got like it's relative or it's it's what's what's the other one? Um, uh, absolute. Yeah, or absolute. So we're looking for absolute growth where everything just continues to grow. Whereas if we don't need that on an individual level, obviously we experience reality based on our own perspective. So I could feel growth that, how do I put this? You don't need everything to keep rising. You just need everything relative to yourself to keep rising. Now, the thing is, you'll get into situations where, and this is, this was, he sort of used this example, but he didn't really elaborate on it in the way that I was thinking about it, where imagine you've got two people in separate rooms, right? And you've got temperature control over one room. One person's cold, so you growth to them is heating up the room, whereas the other person, maybe their room's too hot, so growth to them is actually lowering the temperature of them. So what you could do is you could transfer between them and they'll both be feeling growth relative, but really it's a steady state, absolutely. So relative yeah. to each individual, they think that growth is occurring, but it's actually as part of the entire system, it's just a steady state. And so I was thinking, okay, that's an interesting idea. If you could do that on a global level or on a country level, whatever our society, whatever our scope was, if we could maintain it where the system, the country itself is in steady state, but each individual feels as if they're continually growing, then you've got a society where everyone is kind of their needs are met and their needs are met and they feel like they're they're moving towards something. So does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. So I think what you're trying to say is that the individual can grow relative to their own perspective, but as a collective, we should be careful about uh, the concept of growth uh, because it's kind of... Maybe it's not it's not necessarily the growth that's the problem. It's the reliance that there needs to be continual growth in order for our current systems to work. So it's the concept of capital that, that's the problem, I feel. So like I, I, I agree, we all grow, but we bank we bank our future what that actually means. So growth doesn't always mean a good thing. Like, <laughs> you know, maybe growing pains, you're growing, but you're, it's a painful situation or whatever. So... You know, so like growth happens, but I think what we do now is we bank on it. We bank our future decisions on some form of capital that we've grown from our past. And I think that that banking on it and and having capital there is, is more the problem than the actual growth itself. And I think what you're doing there is you're basically separating it, saying the system doesn't have growth. There's an equilibrium, but that doesn't mean the elements within the, the people within the system can't feel like they're growing at different points because some people will grow some people will go backwards and that's kind of what we want the system to do but as a whole we want to keep it fairly balanced correct hmm. even as you were saying that i was thinking that growth is actually a terrible word because or maybe uh, there could be a better word for it and i would i would say change is probably the what we were looking for you're not necessarily looking for growth you're just looking for change once when we get into a steady state, it's I always compare it to velocity versus acceleration. You don't feel when you're continually going at the same speed. What you feel is the change between the speeds. So I, I kind of feel it's that same way with everything in life and everything that we feel. We don't feel when we're in the steady state 
that we feel the change so you just need a consistent change and you want that change to be in a way that is beneficial or desirable to the individual and so like i said you can have a, the system as a whole is in balance so you're using the same resources over and over again you're just reallocating to people depending on what they what they need the change that they require at any particular time yeah yeah i think that's a that's a good way to describe it. I, I like the fact that you remove growth and you do change because I think what growth assumes is that there's a it's better. Like, mm. uh, whereas change is uh, it, it's not better or it's worse. It's different, and I think that that's what we all strive, isn't it? Like something different. That's why people go and buy a new phone or go and buy a new car or go do those things is because internally they're desiring they're desiring some change in their life. Um, and they're not taking it in other ways. That uh, probably the cheap way to do it today is to buy something to get out of it. Um, but that change can cap ha happen anywhere. But I think that the individuals th there's a desire to change based on what they know, uh, what they've learnt. So I like the fact that you've changed growth into change. Um, that yeah. makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, it's more like they need to be continually stimulated with novel things. And novel, again, isn't absolute. It's not based on everything they've experienced in their life. It's like, it's just what haven't they experienced in a while that would give them that good feeling. It's similar to, you can watch a movie now today, say, for example. It's like, oh, okay, that was a good movie. I enjoyed that or whatever. Now, if you watch it again tomorrow, you won't get the same kind of reaction from it because you remember it, it's fresh in your mind. But if you wait a decade, let's say, and then you watch it again, you're like, oh, yeah, it, it may not be just as um, potent as it was the first time but it'll still be a very high level because it's been a long time since you've experienced that and so we can do the same thing because if we've got enough resources that you've got enough time between experiencing them then it should be fine that's it's funny that's one of the benefits of actually having or not having perfect recollection is that you forget things so you get to experience them again almost as if it's brand new if we had perfect minds, although that sounds like a cool thing, we'd possibly run out of <laughs> stimulating things because we'd just everything would be obvious to us and everything would we would have experienced before and all we have to do is think about it and then it's like, oh, it's okay. It wouldn't be novel. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think like um, that idea, like if I watch the same movie today as tomorrow, uh, I'm probably going to perceive it the same too. But if I watch the same movie as I did 10 years ago today, I'm gonna. I'm a different person, so I'm gonna perceive that movie movie differently, and I'll probably get something different out of it too. So, going back and and redoing something that you've done in the past doesn't necessarily mean that you'll come to the same outcome, um, and that's quite good. That that's actually a good indicator that you've grown or you've changed, or I will get rid of grown actually you, you, that you have changed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. There's. A lot more I could say about this, but that's for another topic, yeah. <laughs> another podcast. So <laughs> let's continue with our uh, rebooting society. Is there anything at this point in time you wanted to bring up? Uh, no, I think it's I think it's good uh, the way we're going through it. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, I'll just continue. I'll, I'll throw it over to you every now and then again, just to see, just in case something's popped into your mind that you want to come up with. But otherwise, yeah, yeah I do have this structure that we can continue to follow and fall back on if we if we need to. Yeah, yeah. So the next thing I wanted to look at, okay, we've got what's our scenario. We've discussed that. Okay, what are we trying to achieve? We want people to be fully realized human beings. We're making sure that they all have their um, basic human rights of, say, food, shelter, health, security, education. Okay, now prior to actually coming up with practically how we're going to implement this, 
I was thinking we look at okay, what are some what are some principles that we want to refer to in coming up with our practical implementation? So when we're thinking about how we can solve a problem, what are the rules or guidelines that we're referring to in thinking about that solution? So let's see here. Oh, I've got here. This is interesting. So what happens is the more principles you add up, the more restrictive you have, but the more confident or certain you are in your solution. Now, it's, 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 I came to this concept from like, I looked up what we currently have as basic human rights. And so what everyone is guaranteed. And there was a fairly decent list and I'm looking at it. I'm like, yeah, these are all good things, but we don't actually, we don't actually follow them. And if you did try and follow them, it'd be very restrictive because if you try to look at one, you might be contradicting another one or you might be, you know, they might interfere with each other. So I was thinking it's probably better to have less of them, which allows you more freedom in what you can do, but there is a higher uncertainty in that. And you have to take a little bit more faith amongst each other's that, you know, people will watch out for each other, let's say, or people will have the concern of others at heart. And if you have a system, like we said, where you have people who are achieving their or getting to their fully realized state, I think it would even out where everyone would pretty much look after each other. So there's a lot of faith that you'd have to take in this approach, but I I, I think it's worth attempting it at least. I mean, we've, we've tried for thousands of years other approaches. Why not give this <laughs> a bit yeah. of a shot? Yeah. Uh, anything to say about that? Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh you can't you can't achieve something without a goal. So I think yeah, even if it's somewhat uh, maybe unrealistic theoretically, the goal being there at least puts us on the same page of what we're trying to achieve. Um, so I do think that principles, yes, we, we need some principles, but they should be far and few, uh, but they should be very impactful um, as well. So like, I agree, you don't want to have a list of ten, fifteen, twenty different principles because. Um, it's constraining. It's constraining. So I think, and it's also confusing and conflicting. I think I think individuals do best when you've got a, just a couple of things that high level things that you're trying to drive towards, and all all the small little decisions that go in your daily life then uh, get shaped around that perspective. Um, and it's a much more achievable way to do it. If you if you had a list of fifteen or twenty different principles every task you do, how do you meet all those those yeah. goals? It becomes overwhelming, I think. So I, I would agree that simpler is better in this case. Maybe the confidence level's down. But if I would say if you don't if you have two or three principles that aren't getting the outcomes you want, then you probably need to change one of you know, you need to ch- look at those two or three and try and change them and really stick to the to the minimalistic kind of viewpoint here. As a bit of inspiration um, for thinking about these principles, I don't know, this popped into my mind when I was looking into it. Have you ever seen the movie iRobot? I did many years ago, but you'll have to re- probably remind me of something in it. Yeah. it there's a movie, I think it, it. there was a book before it and they use uh, Isaac Asimov, I think that's his name, his rules for robotics. And so I want to read them out. He's got three rules. And again, this is similar to, and this is why it kind of linked in my mind. It's like, it's three basic rules that they live by and then like you just build everything else on top of them. So I was thinking, okay, in the principles that we come up with, yeah, if you minimize them and you just build everything up off of that, you should be right. 
So rule number one, a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. I yep. mean, you could even just take these <laughs> and replace the robot with human. Yeah. Rule number two, a robot must obey the orders given to it by humans except when such orders come in conflict with the first law. And Say that again. A robot must obey the orders given it by humans beings except where such orders come into conflict with the first law. Ah, yes, okay. So, the first law is if you're not allowed to injure a human being. So, if someone tells the robot, okay, go and kill that person, the robot has to say no because that conflicts with the first law. Yeah. And then the third law, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. (laughs) So, I mean, even there, you could just take those as, okay, that's (laughs) that's how we're starting society, you know. First rule is you're not allowed to harm others. Second rule is second rule you'd get rid of actually because that's like I was going to say the territory really of slavery. Yeah. <laughs> but the third one, yeah, you protect your own existence unless it comes in conflict with the first and second laws. Yeah, yeah. I would say I would add one that I think is a is a very important overarching one, and it comes from the concept that uh, I don't know whoever said this quote, but you should uh, the best way to measure a, com- a country is to measure how well its weakest individuals are doing. And if you think about any team, that's what they try to do. They understand that in a team, there's those with the luxuries that have been born with strength and those that are unfortunate enough that are born with weaknesses. And that as a collective, we should pull everyone through together. And if we focused on those that are the weakest in society, then we're lifting up a society as a whole because they're your bottom, they're they're really your baseline. Mm -hmm. Um, So practically, how do you do that? I don't know, but I think that that's an overarching goal. If everyone had that thought in mind, then you wouldn't have to worry about the harm. Um, Yeah, yeah. I I, I would say something like that would be a a very important principle to, to me anyway, from my opinion. Yeah, I think that's more. Yeah, it's it's definitely a great idea. I'm just wondering if, like, even those rules that I gave you weren't really principles; they were more rules. I would say that, or I would categorize that more as a rule for or a law for people to live by. Is like take care of your weakest link or something. I don't know, something like that. But maybe we can get into. I mean, definitely, <laughs> we'll keep that as a as, as our idea because I do agree with that. And that was one other thing I was thinking of. Again, this is getting a little bit off of what I meant initially by principles, but is this society based off of... Do we look at it as we're trying to, uh, as, as a collective, improve or do we look at it from individual perspective? Like, for example, and this this could go back to it's built into our... DNA like evolution like take care of family and that is that something that we still want to keep around or is it that no everyone is actually family we're all equal we should all take care of everyone the same instead of prioritizing one person over another based on your connection to them it's a good question because you can't expect someone in like um you know there's uh we're a small country relative population-wise, but you've got 25 million people. So I think 
from a tangible point of view, you have to look at it that you care for those around you. Um, it's much more achievable and practical. Um, the goal is that if everyone has that mindset, then they've got their own sort of group that they're able to make an impact on. Um, if you do it broader than that, then it becomes a bit less intangible, I guess. Um, but maybe that is also the important aspect of having that generalized message. Uh, so. it's, it's, it's interesting because it takes us to another topic, which we're going to do at some point. Yeah where it's local versus global control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it <laughs> is kind of like that. So I, don't, I, 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 I find it difficult to even th think that, uh, well, a leader can have an impact to each individual in their home, um, but it's difficult to get that individual that has that impact to each home to conceptualise what it means for each of those homes. Say that again. Yeah, so, so basically because, you know, like a leader can have a very powerful impact on each individual in their home by making a particular speech and it sort of gal it can galvanise a group of people. But I think, so I understand that that's from that very overarching broad view. But for the individual that made that speech, for the leader that made that speech, I think it's difficult for them to conceptualise that they're making an impact, what it means to make an impact mm -hmm. for each individual. So I guess what I'm trying to say is collectively we can, we can understand it, but individually in a practical situation, it's difficult to, to get the individual to actually uh, maybe achieve that just because of the limitation of being an individual. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of think that the goal is, yes, that everyone obviously is, is, is looked after, but I think practically you that is done by having the people that you know and supporting them. Yeah, I And agree. that's kind of your goal, yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, I'm uh, <laughs> more inclined to look at local control and everyone just doing the best that they can do and that will mm. eventuate in a larger community working. All yeah, right, I want to yeah. get back to, let's get, let's get back to actual words and, and princip for principles. And one of them I had actually probably that both should be um, joined together is transparency and honesty. You want people to be open with whatever information that they have and to be honest about it. And that's something that we see. I mean, really the, uh, the, 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 where I get this from is recently with everything going on in the world in terms of like the COVID and the pandemic, it just feels like, like there's a real lack of transparency and a real lack of honesty. And that's just driving everyone insane. And so, yeah, I keep hearing that from a lot of different people. I certainly feel it myself. So I'm like, this is something that is important, especially if you look that this is a very unique situation and, and something where you really want the society to be working together and, and cohesively and together as a team so yeah transparency and honesty would be like the first thing that i'd say and anything we do we have to make sure that we've got that intact so what do you think of that yeah yeah it's honesty and, and transparency is definitely key to everything we do i think and as soon as you as soon as you remove that you just cause problems and that's what we're fighting at the moment there's no incentive to be honest or transparent so i feel like we have <laughs> you know this kind of information war uh, where we're battling over facts that aren't even <laughs> that aren't even that aren't even true. I mean, if you think about, I was just hearing that one the other day because uh, uh, what was it? 
So it was kind of big in the news. And then I watched the podcast and I watched the response to it and that. And that was the, the, the Joe Rogan taking, uh, what was it, Ivan Macton, which he had every choice to do. But, you know, whether it's good or bad or whatever the outcome was, that the media reported it on completely falsely. Like, the you know, the CNN news is, is packaged it up that he's taken dewormer, you know, animal dewormer, you know, when it's just so far from the facts. Um, and there's no incentive to be honest about it. Like, uh, and then, then they can call things just fake news. Um, it's yeah, definitely honesty and transparency is is key for us to to moving forward through this difficult time of disseminating between all the information that we've been provided. Um, you made a really yeah. good point there, or you brought something up that's really important, and I think. It's something definitely that should be taken into consideration going forward and in order to achieve what we stated as our goal. And that was what is the incentive in, in that in sharing that information. And yeah, if you look at it now, you can say the incentive is monetary that by hiding or obscuring or even lying and deceiving information that it, 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 it does achieve what they're trying to achieve. It, it allows them to keep that monetary gain. But is that something that we want to actually highlight and seek out in our society or does it have detrimental compliment, um, consequences and go against what we're actually trying to achieve? Mm. Which is, again, going back to it because I think this is, this is an important thing. I think when you're having discussions or trying to solve problems, you should consistently be coming back to what am I trying to actually accomplish? Otherwise, you get too far away from what you're trying to accomplish and then your solution doesn't even solve the problem that you had in the first place or where you were going so yeah just to say it again it's that we're trying to get everyone to their fully realized state to reach their full potential to live a fulfilling life whatever that means for them and so yeah you want to make sure that your incentives align with that yeah that that, that that's correct and yeah i think you're right the incentive today is it's almost uh i mean it is it is monetary but it's also almost bigger than that i think tech companies have realized that it's user base it's individuals so really the power comes from the amount of individuals you can you can uh you can congregate or group together for yourself so and that comes more than money because then that helps you make decisions which is quite a powerful situation so um just because you've got a whole lot of money doesn't necessarily mean you can influence um decisions but i think tech companies realize that if you have a large enough user base you can influence their decisions and you can do that by um, providing them dripped out information over a long period that's consistent and consensus to a message that they want to get across um, and that's 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 really the big problem that we have at the moment because you know what do they call it the social media bubble well it's kind of you know when you get in that echo chamber or whatever that's kind of what happens when you follow you know like so an individual watches and follows cnn so they're going to have a very particular bias on it but the way in which they reinforce the information in short almost makes the individual feel insured that their perspective on the situation is correct because they haven't had it challenged by other groups um, and that's because they've just been subscribed to a particular user base and taken advantage of. So, yeah. In that circumstance, they're not, again, what is their incentive? They're trying to keep eyeballs on the screen. So, if they know that the people listening to them want to hear a certain message or a certain viewpoint, of course, they're just going to 
share that viewpoint and view things through that lens because otherwise they'll lose what their goal is. Yeah, that's right. It also helps them. Uh, I think, particularly the big uh, news organisations, are obviously linked in with uh, political the political system, and so for me, their value is to actually bring in voters. Like, well, not necessarily even voters. It's to bring in people that align with the principles about the government in which they want in place. So, if I how can I say that in a in yeah? A give me an way. example. That was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounded like it made coherent sense, but I can't <laughs> pass through that in my mind. So, do you have yeah. So the idea of, of having a user base and then being able to provide them with the information that you see fit means that you can set them up in order to get an outcome you want. So if I want, let's say I have someone that subscribes continually to to a show or to some a media outlet that I run and I wanted Trump in his president, well, all I have to do now is if I've got a user base, I just need to keep that user base in line with the information that I want them to mm-hmm. see as truthful. So, for instance, I can now set up, say, Trump, I can set up whatever I put as information on the TV in him in a good perspective if I want my users to then vote for him over someone else. Yeah. So it's almost like you can control the narrative of the information. The information itself doesn't necessarily need to be true. It just, the narrative needs to be strong enough that the user base, the individual actually buys in on it. And if your user base is big enough, now you can actually change control of a situation through power. It's not necessarily through in my mind, always through the financial aspect of it. It's to, to gain control of situations. Um, it, yeah. sounds, it sounds to me like you're attempting a DDoS attack on <laughs> the <laughs> American electoral system. <laughs> it, yeah, well, okay. okay, if you think about what Trump did when uh, that group of people actually came and stormed the, stormed the White House, that's a very small example of what I'm saying. He had a user group. He didn't do anything himself. Yeah. He has a user group and he got them to subscribe to his information, whether it was true or not. And so for him, having that user group, there was no fan necessarily financial incentive. It was, a, it was a more a, a showing of power um, and control. And that's probably what is of more valuable with the media today. And the, the ability to do that is to get a big enough user group. Yeah, you're... I mean, let me try using a different, a few different um, contexts. You're creating an army, so like mm. a group of people who will listen to a certain leader. You're creating disciples, again, certain, you're creating followers. Followers is another term that you could use for it. Yeah, you're amassing a group of people or a group of, not even people, um, a group of resources maybe in order to direct in whatever way you want. Is yeah, that that's sort of right. what you're trying to say? Yeah, that's right. And that actually encourages disinformation because what it means is if everyone agreed on the same thing, then there's no us versus them. Yeah. So you need to create some divide in order to have that collective to fo- follow you because they need to say that that's what we're right, they're wrong kind of thing. Um, so, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, we're probably getting off topic yeah, I was here. Say, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, don't know how yeah. we got there, uh, but I think yeah, it was an yeah. interesting tangent to go down. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, keep that in mind. <laughs> Maybe that's the social media, media one, <laughs> media podcast. There's a, yeah, yeah, actually, that's a good, that is a good point. There's a couple of more principles that I want to cover that I've got only two or three, but is there anything that comes to your mind that you want to add in at this point in time? Ah, uh, no, no. I think, uh, yeah, no. Okay. Well, the next principle that I had, and it comes back to, again, my um, inclination towards local control is agency. Give people the ability to make their own choices. And again, if you've got that transparency, if you've got that honesty, you give them all the information that you, you have, you are honest about what you know, you're like... There is no certainty in my, <laughs> if, if it was up to me, there would be no certainty, like no telling people, we guarantee you that if you do this, this will happen. It'd just be, okay, we're this confident, we're that confident. We've got this kind of um, experience in order to back us up and tell us that we are this confident. But then at the end of the day, it's up to you. It's your choice. You know, whatever you do is 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 up to you. Do you like that? Do you want agency? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're being robbed of agency now, I feel like. <laughs> Yeah. So yes, I would agree. Agency is the most one of the most important things because it liberates the individual. Um, and if you if you if you don't give them agency, you just suppress them. I mean, that's what we're kind of facing. I don't want to go into a COVID discussion, but I think that um, uh, one of the things in, in particular in Australia we're challenged with is this, um, you know, this idea that uh, they're trying to force vaccination. And if you don't have vaccination, then you're not allowed to do these things. And uh, well, well, I'm in general pro pro vaccination. I think we, you know, that seems to be. If I look at the risk assessment, seems to be a logical path. I think enforcing it on people is a very terrible thing to do. It's never going to end well. Um, you just create individuals. It almost makes people want to do. Some people want to do the opposite just because you're trying to tell them mm. the situation. So. Maybe I'm a bit more grown up than I used to be, but you know, as a kid, if you if you did that to me, you said, "No, you have to do that." There's a instinctual, automatic reaction. Hang on, no, no, I don't. Why? You know, like, uh, and then that gets me off on the wrong foot. Um, mm. I think age is irrelevant to that feeling. I, I think it is a biological thing where, if anyone tells you to do something, it, you sh- you are immediately skeptical because. Mm you're cautious, you're worried that whatever they're telling you to do could be bad for you. Anyone who has to tell you to do something generally has is is trying to manipulate you or get you to do something that is bad for you. Anyone who is trying to help you and get you to do something that is good for you won't force you to do it. They'll just say, this is what we think, it's up to you. Because why? Mm. What do they care? If it's good for you, what, what do they care? You know, mm. It's only yeah. when it's bad for yeah. you that they have to force you and push you into it. Mm. So that's definitely something to be... <laughs> kids out there <laughs> <Anyone tell laughs> me to do that? be, yeah. be skeptical of it yeah yeah i, I want to say that that obviously we don't really want to get into a um, pandemic or vaccine debate or, or discussion but that was really the impetus for from this is that yeah with everything going on in the world that's the biggest thing to me it's like it doesn't matter if you agree or disagree with it or what you think of it it's just that you're removing agency from people and that's an issue that's something that's terrible. It's very disrespectful. It means that uh, the indiv- you're basically robbing the right of the individual to make their own decisions. Yeah. And uh, if you do that, then who are they? You've just removed them as an individual. So yeah. I, I don't... Obviously, there's some things that harm others like murder and things like that that obviously you go against. But if it's an individual choice, you, you give them the information and you allow them to make the choice. 
Um, and it gives them responsibility and reason to, to live as well. <laughs> like you need to give them responsibility as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Following on from agency, and this is very important, very, very uh, linked to it, accountability and repercussions. You, yes. are, you have agency, but if you do something wrong, that's on you and you're going to have to pay for that. Um, yes. That's just how it is. Like That's, that's, exactly that's the right. cost of having that agency and freedom. Yes, yes. In actual fact, my mum my mom, <laughs> as a kid did that really well. So she always basically, it was, a, it was very interesting. She instilled honesty and responsibility pretty strong and independence in me. Um, you know, the honesty one was always like, you, if you lie to me, you'll get, and I find out you'll get a worse punishment, but if you tell me now, um, you'll still be punished, but it'll be just less. Um, and then the uh, the the responsibility one is like, yeah, well, you just have to. You've done something wrong. You just have to accept that you've done something wrong and take the consequence. I'm not here to protect you, or even if in, in any situation, she would always fight where she felt that if if there was something wrong, but she would always. Um, make sure the punishment there is when it was deserved as well. So, um, well, maybe not punishment, but consequence. The consequence, yeah. Mm. Very wise, your mum. <laughs> yeah, she definitely was. Because then that's the only, like, that's the honesty and transparency you're talking about, really, isn't it? Like, if you remove the ability for an individual to have a consequence, you're removing the transparency and honesty and you're robbing them of a, a, a situation in which they can learn something very valuable. Um so that, that's that's what's crucial about it, I think. Yeah. I mean, that that's a great example that you just gave of all those things that I was saying. There was transparency, there was honesty, you know, this is mm. this is what you can do, this is what you, the consequences are going to be if you do it. And then she mm. gave you uh, agency to make your own choice and then you had to deal with the consequences of that choice. So that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. There's one more principle, I know like we want to limit it, but this kind of ties into those as well and that is compassion. And that, that to me... Oh, <laughs> I'd heard this word throughout my life and I sort of had a vague idea of what it meant, but it's only recently that I've actually looked into it and thought, okay, what does that actually mean? And then looked at other people's explanations of it. And compassion is really just the acknowledgement that we are flawed and that people do make mistakes. And if they make mistakes, they have to pay for it. This is part of the compassion, but it's, they have to be, they are accountable. You hold them accountable, but then you move on. You don't hold it against them. It's not something that, you know, you keep going back to. It's that understanding, acknowledging that they're flawed, acknowledging mistakes they've made, let them make up for the mistakes and then just move on. They're a different person now. They've learned from it or whatever. And that's something that I think is a, a good, especially you see in today's society, people getting called out, canceled or whatever it is for stuff that they did years ago that they probably regret themselves and probably like are really ashamed that they did it and have learned from and changed. And now they're different human beings and people trying to bring that up and, and use that as ammo against them. And that's just disgusting behavior to me. So I think, Compassion is how I would encompass that idea of letting it go and moving on and allowing people to grow. So, does that? How do you feel about compassion? Yeah, compassion, true, very, very true. Like, so, yeah, compassion is to support someone through whatever they've. How can I say it? Uh, where they've failed. So, like, I agree. You allow them to fail, and there's a consequence there. And being compassionate means that you can support them throughout that period of time. So. I agree. The old cancel culture, and even I, I even have some strong views about uh, you know the the criminal system on this as well. So you know, like I think that you need 
you know, it would be much better presented if you can sit down with someone. Like those cancer cultures, they should really be given airtime about what actually happened and the space in, for them to talk through what had happened and how they reflect on it today. I think that would be much more valuable because a lot of those people probably realise the mistake that they've made. Um, and if we just banish people because they make mistakes, we're, we're going to be in a very terrible position because we all make them. Um, I'm sure I've done the, you know, said the wrong things at certain times and I regret or, or in a room and they're not well thought out. And there was no bad intention behind it a lot of the time, um, but uh, it just come off the wrong way. Um, so we do need to give people... Um, the support when they go through those failings and that 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 yeah I think compassion is definitely central to that um, allowing people to fail yeah 100% with what you said I mean intent is really the most important thing and it's something that's a lot of the times just glossed over people just look at exactly what they said verbatim take it out of context just write it on a piece of paper and read it out and that's exactly what they meant and it's like no you know the context you know what they meant like look at the intent don't necessarily look at what they said because again we are all imperfect and we are we do struggle at times i certainly struggle with words at times and i might say the wrong thing but the intent was never what other people um or what the words would suggest so yeah definitely look at the intent it's very it's it's uh we've become very sensitive in a lot of ways too so like if i think about uh roseanne barr who was uh crucified for uh, for what she had said and and if I look at her as an individual and the challenges that she's had through life, she's going to make mistakes at certain points in time and she's going to come off a certain way. And that's how her character actually is. But if you look at the individual herself, she means no harm and there's no physical harm being happening there. And if you give her the space to reflect on those things, she'll reflect on them quite well and realise that, yeah, yeah, I didn't mean it this way, but yes, I could understand how it come across that way. So... It's just we're way too often do we um, box an individual and then just <laughs> ship them away and 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 uh, just bar them from from certain things without even hearing what they've got to say about it. It's just it's a ridiculous way to do it. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a good example you give there. One other thing I wanted to mention from what you said previously is that yeah, it would be so much more valuable to talk to the person and say, okay, what was going on there? What happened? Why, you know, why did you get in this situation? How did you learn from it? How did you learn that, you know, that was a bad thing to do? How did you grow from it? Because this is something that you can even expand on and say, just generalize it and say, learn from history. This is something that we have real problems with today. It's like, look at everything going on in the world around us and no one's looking back at history and seeing, well, what actually happened after people went down the path that we're going down today? And let me tell you, it wasn't pretty. Yeah. <laughs> we had some really yeah. tough years that followed this kind of behavior. So that's another thing that we just, for some reason, people don't do. We don't learn from history. We don't consider what happened and then look in what follows and, and, and learn from that. And I, this is that's how we get to where we are today. Everything that we build off of is our, our our understanding our knowledge is all history we wouldn't be able to build off of it unless we looked back on it otherwise we'd just mm. be doing the same thing over and over again our lifetimes haven't um stretched so much that we can you know reinvent the wheel every single lifetime and then improve on the wheel no we have to remember first how we got to the wheel and do that in a condensed period of time so that we can build off of that within our lifetime so 
yeah, just learn from history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I mean, I've got no more, no more to say than that, but yes, give people the airtime to make mistakes. Give the people space to make mistakes. And I mean, even if you reflect on what people have said, I'm sure there's something in the past that you'd be guilty of as well. So, you know, the old saying is, you know, before you point here, point here kind of thing, you know. So I think that that's always a good way to be. Is um, We have such a knee-jerk reaction to what people say, and I'm always... I'm always surprised at how much an emotional response you can elicit some, from someone just with some words. And that is concerning from their mental health point of view. Because regardless of what someone kind of says to you, you should have the confidence and the, the strength internally to, to not emotionally react off the charts to that. Because like we, all, we all have these thoughts that spawn in our mind and some of them are just completely stupid and we don't, sometimes we don't filter that and we should be, we should be comfortable that that's going to happen and we're not, we're not very comfortable, particularly if it's an individual that's held up on a bit of a pedestal, whether that be a celebrity or, or a political leader or, or a leader of a company. Um, yeah, yeah, just don't I like have to, that space. I like to think of it as you're getting upset over hairs vibrating in your ear yeah that's, physically that's what's going on all the, all that's happening is there's some vibrations in your ear and you're getting upset over that yeah, yeah. it's and the other thing is like you said it's just we there's there's a really good speech by what's his name sad guru i think his name is and he's, he talks about thoughts are just thoughts they just pop in and out it's when you actually believe that they're reality that they become an issue. It's like you can, everyone has these thoughts that just, you can't, you don't have control over them really. And, and it's just acknowledge that they're only a thought and that they'll pass and then take the time to think about, oh, is that something I actually want to bring out into the world or is that something that, you know, I'll just let it go. I'll just yeah, let it pass. Yeah. So. Thoughts aren't facts. That's a, there's a, there's a quote for you. <laughs> I like that. Nice. All right. We're getting a bit long. Is there, so, do you want to go over some um, practical things that we can do, practical implementations for society now, just to, in order to close it off and give people maybe a little bit more tangible thing to take away? Yeah, I guess, yeah, we probably can do some practical examples, I guess. Um, is there anything you had in mind? Because this is where I have to uh, start going <laughs> off of the cuff. <laughs> well, I guess, okay. So, okay, so we've got our goal is that we want to... Uh, Realize the potential in each individual. Our what was the second thing we went through? Our basic human services are food, shelter, health, and education. Security as well. That in there. So like uh, protection yep. against people harming you, that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, and then the next one was some guiding principles. Was it? Um, yep. Which we went through, which is like honesty and transparency and etc. So then how do we actually then practically uh, achieve this collectively, I guess? So um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big thought. So I guess that each individual has to be responsible to contributing to all the services. So if we consider that food, shelter, education and health are the critical services, then how do we ensure that these are those are covered adequately. You know what I'm thinking, Mick? 
this is a really good starting point. I reckon, why don't we leave it there for today and then come back and then next time we'll cover these things quickly that we discussed today and say, okay, how can we practically implement these? Because I think this is a much larger discussion and I've got ideas currently like popping up, but I'm like, that's going to take a bit of time to explain. So what do you well, think Well, you probably that? read my mind about two minutes ago because I was actually <laughs> feeling the same. I thought, all right, we've, we've pretty much got, set the foundation and I think going into practical examples, considering such a big foundation... Uh, it probably needs a bit of time to actually tease out and 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 go through. So yeah, I think that's good. We can summarise it as a, like a part two of what we did in part one, and then we can move forward with some really good practical examples. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. It's it's the foundation, and then next time we can jump off and actually do the practical part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So um, yeah, so I think that, that that's really good. We've actually set the foundation for our reset. After yeah. losing all our all our data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just hope that doesn't happen in reality between this session and the next one. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do if it does, we're we're um we're prepared. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've got our foundation. <laughs> yeah, we just may yeah. have to go over it again so everyone else is uh, up yeah, to speed. <laughs> yeah, on the same page. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, is there anything else you want to say before I get to like the closing stuff? No, no, I don't think so. I think we've covered the main areas. I think we've set the scene pretty well. Um, and I hope it's, I feel it's quite different to the way in which it, it's interesting. I think that if you present this to people, each individual would kind of agree on it. Um, I don't think there'd be too many objections and it's kind of a point in time where people are thinking of change. Um, so it's interesting, I guess that, uh, um, the, the major barriers is how do you, how do you achieve it? Um, mm. it would be really interesting to see if there are any objections to this point i mean hopefully maybe we can share this with some people and get some feedback because yeah if this is the foundation you're working off of this is what you want everyone to be agreeing on the next whatever Mm. comes next is what we can debate but if no one's agreeing on this foundational part then it's like you've got issues already correct that's that's a terrible place to start yeah yeah no that's exactly right so yeah it'd be good to see if someone's got a criticism to to something we might have missed or overlooked or whatever yeah definitely very good okay well, um, I've got my supplemental song suggestion for this week. This one's kind of a uh, two-for-one deal. <laughs> the original song is Bruce Hornsby's The Way It Is. And now a, the additional or alternative to that is, if you want a more of a hip-hop take on it, is Tupac's Changes. They both are kind of like covering similar themes. So I think they both fit in and they both use the same beat. So definitely check those out. My quote for today is... Any intelligent fool can make something bigger, more complex, and more violent. It takes a touch of genius and a lot of courage to move in the opposite direction. And that's by E.F. Schumacher. It's one of my favorite quotes, so hopefully you out there like it. And apart from that, thanks for joining us uh, for this discussion. As always, it's just the beginning, and we look forward to continuing a discussion with uh, all of you. So hopefully you can give us some feedback. Until next time, be well.